welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode six of our Road to 2021 series. And as always, you're joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, before we get into today's episode, just want to remind you as always that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to tell your family and friends about them. Take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag myself, tag Jack, tag the bodybuilding dietitians. And if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com, which you can also find in the show notes below. So without further ado, Jack, episode six of this series. How exciting. So kick it off. How's your last week been? Yeah, so my last week hasn't been amazing. It hasn't been bad either. It's been fairly average. And as I said last week, it was my first week of training back from my deload. So this is my second week now. And overall, I can my main feedback is just that I have quite still quite a lot of systemic fatigue. And I was like, there's, I don't have any sites in particular that are bothering me in terms of injury, which is really good. I'm very happy about that. But it's more that like I'm not, I can still push in terms of training, but it's it's that higher, in order to get like a nine out of 10 push, I need to, it feels like a 13 out of 10, if that makes sense. Mm. Like it's just, it's requiring a lot of my CNS in order to, to get there. And yeah, I was thinking about it and I think it might be due to the fact that we are using, I'm using a barbell for pretty much all of my first couple of lifts because like one, the dumbbells, it's annoying to get that much weight on the dumbbells and you can only get that much weight on one dumbbell. Exactly. So, <laughs> and we don't have anything else like other than that pulley thing, which I just use for arms and lap pull down. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like imagine doing a dumbbell bench with our dumbbells, right? Like mm. because we like we only have those big like 10 and 20 kilogram plates. If you had two of those on a little dumbbell stick, geez, trying to do bench or something, you just have these big ass plates yeah. <laughs> be really just awkward <laughs> mm. the range of motion would be pretty uh, awful yeah so yeah overall i'm just kind of just waiting till the gym opens being able to incorporate more machine-based stuff especially for the leg day will be really nice and the upper days of course like some lap pull down machine chest press yeah it'll be good yeah that's the thing you know just using barbells right for everything we're doing a hell of a lot more compound work than we're used to and you know that does require a lot more you know of your central nervous system you know and you get more bang for your buck that's why generally people say you know if you don't have much time to train put a larger emphasis on barbell work rather than machine work but if you do have time to train you know and you're trying to look after your recovery and just you know isolate certain muscle groups it's generally a lot more optimal to actually use machines machines are awesome so it makes a lot of sense that you are building up more fatigue a lot you know quicker than you're used to when we are in the gym just because you're doing so many more compounds than usual mm, yeah and yeah I, I did reflect on having the because at the moment I'm doing upper lower and a push pull and a leg and initially I thought that okay this is actually working really well and maybe it was just due to the fact that it was something new but usually I would have two. I think I actually enjoy more spreading out my upper lower volume on the upper days. Mm -hmm. So I should say my push pull volume on the upper days. I think I do prefer that because I'm not, I'm not doing like 10 
plus sets of pool on one day. I'm doing more like five sets, five to six sets on one day. Mm-hmm. So are you going to change that from now, even though you've already started your mesocycle? No, no, I, don't. I just don't have enough exercise variation to do that right now. So I'll do it once I get back to the gym. And from now, I'm actually thinking of doing something quite novel for me, which is doing a lower volume phase of, so probably doing about 10 to 12 sets per week of each muscle group. Damn. So wait, so just to remind the listeners, how many sets are you doing on average per muscle group right now? Probably for uh, back, I'm doing... 20 plus sets like mm-hmm. 20 to 25 yeah and uh, quads and hamstrings probably 15 to 20 probably closer to 15 and chest probably between 15 to 20 mm-hmm. as well yeah so lowering it by quite a few sets yeah yeah Damn. and that's just one like i'm just interested to see how i'll go and two i think uh it would benefit me right now and yeah the only kind of thing that's holding me back is that I know reducing the volume is not going to be quite as effective for muscle gain. Mm -hmm. And I only have about two months left to gain muscle. But if it's going to make me progress longer, especially and make me feel better at the start of prep, then it will be worth it. So what that'll look like for me in my training is essentially bringing everything down from three sets to two sets. Mm. I don't, at the moment, I don't do anything for four sets just because... I've tried that and it's just too much for me considering I've just read out my volume and that's quite high volume and I don't need to do four sets because I would rather do, say in a in a pool workout, I'd rather do like three exercises as opposed to doing two or in a, in a leg day doing three quad instead of two quad and just doing three sets instead of four or five. Yeah, that's where Jack and I differ, you know, because you generally do more exercises per session, don't you? Like how yeah. many exercises would you do on a leg day? So, uh, yeah, I would usually do three quad, three hammy, and a uh, calf. Yeah, okay. All right, so like seven. Yeah, and I guess I only usually do four or five. But then I've, I've actually recently brought my sets from five sets down to four sets. I just, I love doing that higher volume. But that's where we're different, you know? Like, I'll do less exercises but more sets. Jack will do more exercises but, but less sets. And that really, you know, reinforces why like training programs need to be tailored, not just because he's a male and because I'm a female, but because different people like to train in different ways, you know, Mm. different people respond in different ways. So, yeah, I just don't like, like if I'm doing a back squat and I'm going really hard for three sets, the thought of doing another potentially two sets, like it's, I'm just, yeah, I'm done by three sets. Yeah. I'm ready to move on. Man, it must just be the type one muscle fibers I have. They must just it must be yeah, I've just got that endurance. Like and you've seen me bench, right? For like example, I can do four or five sets for a bench and the very first set, you know, I'll just pump out twelve reps. And Jack's like, Are you really gonna try to get twelve reps for your next four sets? And I'm like, Hell yeah. Like I've just got that endurance that I can smash out. The, the next four sets and I can keep I can keep up that level you know of an, like I can keep up that threshold kind of thing yeah yeah interesting but yeah two sets per exercise that's gonna be really interesting that's gonna really cut down your training time as well yeah yeah well so are you and with that you know are you planning on keeping pretty much the intensity and like the weight the same for your exercises right now or do you think you'll try to you know push a little bit harder or do you think you'll keep less reps in reserve for those because you're only doing two sets or are you pretty much just going to keep it as is but completely just dropping off a set I think I'll keep it as is because 
there's not much to manipulate from here. I'm, I'm definitely not going to reduce intensity, but because I still want to, I don't know how long I'll do this low volume phase four, maybe even until gyms open, maybe only at, until the end of next week. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't, if I'm working around a, a seven to nine out of 10 right now, then there's, I can't move much from there. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm really interested to see how you respond, but I have, I have no doubt that of course you're going to continue to make gains because right now I feel like you're in a position where you're just growing dude, you know, and you'll, you'll still be reaching that 10 set per muscle group per week threshold. So mm. you're still providing that stimulus. So there's no doubt that you're going to keep progressing. And I think in the long term this is probably going to be beneficial, especially if you're in the second week of your mesocycle right now, you're already feeling fatigue in the long term. You're probably going to benefit from this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And just experiencing how this works, especially for coaching as well. Mm -hmm. I've never, I've never implemented this stage for a client. So yeah. that might change my mind, but yeah, in, in saying that, I think it's not, not many people kind of need this phase. Like usually a deload is more than enough. So yeah. I think we're just in a unique circumstance where it's quite unusual to be accumulating even more fatigue than the gym mm -hmm. purely because of the, of only having access to a barbell. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And I have to ask from a psychological standpoint, you know, because generally when you enter into a new mesocycle, right, you have a plan in place, but now because you're at the end of your second week of this mesocycle, but now you're changing the plan, like has, has that bothered you at all you know do you almost feel obliged like no i've committed to this i have to carry out the next like you know four to six weeks of this mesocycle before i change anything have you thought about that at all no i don't i purely think about no my mind doesn't usually work like that mm -hmm. like what as i said what's bothering me most is i i always think about my goal and that's going to be gaining as much muscle as possible mm -hmm. so that's what's going to be bothering me potentially reducing the sets but I don't mind I know some people definitely don't like interfering with the block of training and if something needs to be changed then just change it yeah like I I can agree with if nothing's particularly wrong like saying oh I'm not I don't really like barbell bench press at the moment like if it's still progressing and if if you're not risking injury then why not? Then there's no need to change it. You can just wait to the end of the block to change mm -hmm. that. But if I'm risking myself of injury, then I'm not just going to keep progressing if I feel like crap. So Yeah. I'm so glad that you say that because I think along those exact same lines too, you know, I feel like if I identify that there's a problem, you know, I'm going to fix it right now. I don't need to wait another four to six weeks if I've already identified it now. And even when we first entered into isolation training, remember like that first leg day, I was trying to find out some sort of quad movement that I could do that actually worked well for me, right? Like I'd start with barbell RDLs and then I would go into a, a, into a primary quad movement. And I started with like static dumbbell lunges. Then I tried out, you know, uh, elevated heel lunges. Then I was doing like those heel elevated sumo squats and I tried BFR sumo squats. Like I was changing things pretty much every fortnight because I was honest with myself. I'm like, you know, I'm actually not getting the best stimulus in my quads with this. And I've identified there's an issue and I don't want to commit to something that I know isn't going to work for the next eight weeks or Jesus, I don't, I deload probably every like three months or mm. something. So like if I'm identifying there's an issue now, don't freaking waste your time, right? Fix it now. And 
I'm glad that I kept playing around because now I've found, you know, uh, Bulgarian split squats just holding a dumbbell. And that's working really, really well for me from my quads and my glutes, right? And that's an awesome movement for me right now. And I'm glad that I didn't just stick with like dumbbell lunges mm-hmm. at the beginning. Like, and I, I want to reiterate to people, like if you identify there's a problem, just fix it. Okay. Like yeah. there's no right or wrongs. Remember that just like you said, you have to think about the ultimate goal. What's actually going to help my physique develop, man. I've, and I've been in that position in the gym too, before, you know, like swapping between things like hack squats and V squats and different leg press variations. Like I feel silly at the time. Cause I'm like, man, I just need to stick with something. But then at the same time, I'm like, no, I need to find what really, really works for me. And then I can stick with that. Yeah, certainly. And there are people who don't like changing things. And I can understand that, especially people who take like four to six week blocks. And even I take four to six weeks, more like six to eight weeks. But yeah, like if you're in week two and you're deloading after week four, then it's not much to just hold on for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So anything else happened this week? What, where's your uh, body composition at, you know, in terms of body weight, nutrition, all that jazz? So yeah, nutrition's basically the same. I will be, I, to be honest, I think it probably will even stay the same when I'm lowering my volume as well. I don't think it'll change that much. And actually something that is interesting with nutrition, it slowly, throughout this home workout stage, even actually it probably arose once I started doing more steps. Like when I started doing more steps, I probably brought them up from like 4,000 a day to eight to 10,000. And obviously my my intake increased quite dramatically but it peaked and then it's actually started dipping a little bit since then and i'm not really sure why to be honest like it's kind of it's even decreased by about 50 grams of carbs Mm. which is a decent amount but yeah i'm not it's not like it's bothering me at all and yeah i'm i'm kind of stumped as to why that's happening but maybe I'm just adapting to that exercise, yeah. which is which is a reasonable thing to happen. And yeah, body comp, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Weight is still going up each week. And this morning I weighed about 92.5. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, body comp is still holding fairly well. Still planning to probably get to about 94 kilos by the end of July and, and mini cut from there. Perfect, damn, well, sounds like a plan. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. What about you though this week? Yeah. So this last week, it has been good, you know, so it's been another great week of training, you know, had signed up with quite a few new clients this week, which has been awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's just been a really, really good week overall. And, you know, it's been the first week back from my deload. So I deloaded last week, certainly felt refreshed coming into this new week of training and, you know, Again, I only took five days off, you know, proper training for my deload. And that was certainly sufficient for me. I'm I'm not kidding. Even by like the fourth day, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm ready to get back into this right now. So yeah, felt good coming back. And you know, even at the end of last week as well, when I first started my deload, right? And I wasn't having any pre-workouts or, you know, my copious amount of caffeine before my workout like I usually do. 
haha, seven milligrams mm-hmm. per kilogram as we have now calculated, which is nuts. I can't believe I can tolerate that. But you know, the first few nights, like I was sleeping like a rock. I was sleeping well over like nine hours per night. I usually get up around 5:45 in the morning not to an alarm. That's just generally the time that I wake up. And Jack and I usually go to bed at 9 p.m. every night. And uh, well, Jack a little bit later, because you read, I just sleep. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was sleeping into like 6.30 for a few days. I was just sleeping. But then, you know, after a few days, right, more like on Saturday and Sunday, I was just, I wasn't as tired because I wasn't as exhausted from training. And uh, I was actually waking up in the middle of the night, you know, like around maybe 2.30 in the morning to go pee. And then I was actually finding it difficult to fall back to sleep for around close to an hour just because I felt more awake. I wasn't as exhausted. And that's another sign to me, you know, like I, uh, when my trait, when my sleep starts like getting strange, it's either a sign that I'm really exhausted or I'm not exhausted enough. So anywho, I was really excited to get back into training again this week. And, uh, pretty much I'm, I'm keeping the exact same training split, exact same exercises as I've done in my previous ISO mesocycle, right? Because I, it's just working well for me. Again, we don't have that much variation. And if it's working well, I don't really need to change anything, just aiming to keep progressing. So, you know, keeping the same amount of sets per exercise, but pretty much just trying to pump up a few more reps, you know, each exercise and uh, also just progressively increasing the weight. And even this past week gone, you know, I was able to increase the weight on a few new exercises, pump out a few more reps. So training performance is right back there and it's making me excited. So that was good. And, uh, compared to last week, you know, my body weight was stable at 62.3 kilograms, which is the exact same as it was the week before. I didn't change my nutrition at all during my deload. I ate the exact same amount of food, but then coming back this week, back into training, I've kept nutrition the exact same again. Uh, and my body weight is now up at 62.5 kilograms on average. So slightly up, you know, maybe slightly gain some weight, maybe again, slightly just a little bit more inflamed from training properly again, who knows, but I'm feeling good. You know, I'm feeling really strong. I like how I look. So I'm really happy at this body weight and yeah, nutrition is still the exact same at 375 carb, 45 grams of fat and 180 protein. And yeah, I'm just feeling good and satiated, nourished, you know, definitely not nearly as food focused. Like I'm not, I'm not hungry between meals, even before a meal now, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, I could probably wait a little bit longer, but we have meal times just to get on with the day. Cause we've got routine and all that stuff. But yeah, it's been a good week. Went to the dog beach again on Sunday. That's like become like part of, I've done that so many weeks in a row now, especially since restrictions have been lifted. But man, there's just, I'm Jack and I are total dog people now. Ever since we got Sam, we just, boy, we are dog people. But I just love being out of the dog beach at low tide in the afternoon sun, you know, golden hour, just playing fetch with the dogs, just walking through the water. Like there's nothing better, you know, like I love, it makes me so happy. Just the little things and ah, it's been nice. Rest day roast. We didn't even have, we didn't actually have a roast this week, did we? No, we broke the streak. We had salmon this week, which was a nice change. Yeah, it was delicious. Broke the roast streak, man. We still had kind of like half a roast, you know, because we had like roast potatoes. Jack had some wedges. Potatoes just go with everything. But yeah, it was nice to eat some fish. And we didn't exactly get the meat sweats from this one because uh, 
in the past. We've eaten like whole turkey drumsticks and half a chicken, but it was nice to be kind of responsible and just mm, eat be one. Be sustainable, yeah. Yeah, one one uh, salmon fillet. That was that was good on our part, but delicious nonetheless. I'm I'm excited to see what we'll have this week. Stay tuned on the Instagrams because we don't even know what we're gonna have yet. Mm. Yeah, we usually <laughs> decide when we're in the store. Yeah. But, you know, overall, it has just been a really good week. And I think, honestly, the highlight of my week this week was actually being interviewed on a podcast, you know. And it's always such a pleasure to go on to another podcast channel and uh, actually speak to someone. Because Jack and I, you know, we're recording our own podcasts every single week, which is so fun. But, you know, it's always really special to be on another podcast channel. And this week I had the absolute honor of speaking to Sophia Thomas. So she is a WBFF competitor in the fitness category and uh, she has her own podcast called Brain to Bar. So I had the pleasure of going on there and speaking with Sophia about a lot of topics that, you know, I've touched on before, but I've never really gone into depth about them. And One of the main topics that we actually spoke about was binge eating, you know, and my past experiences with binge eating. And this is a really, really important thing that I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to speak about this because, you know, people see me now in 2020 and I've received a lot of comments of, you know, wow, you're handling your reverse diet so well, you know, you're, you're staying on track. You haven't blown out, you know, you haven't uh, gone through periods of, you know, giving into massive food cravings and binging, you know, or going off track with your training or losing motivation, all of this stuff. Right. But people don't realize is that this is now my eighth year of putting tremendous effort into working on my relationship with my body, my relationship with food, my relationship with exercise, my eighth year, you know, that's a long time. And, uh, people don't know that I actually severely struggled with disordered eating for many, many years, probably a solid three years where I was severely struggling, you know, grade 11, grade 12 and first year uni. So that would have been 2013, 2014, 2015. And I feel like I almost had that post comp experience, right? That a lot of people go through before I even knew what bodybuilding was before I even got involved in resistance training. So a lot of the things that competition competitors experience post comp, you know, with you're not as lean anymore. You're starting to attempt to reverse diet, right? You, you've been, you know, uh, kind of restricting foods and, you know, a total amount of food because you've been in a caloric deficit for so long and you're not in a caloric deficit anymore. You might not have any, you know, goals straight on the horizon. Like you're going to compete again, right? You feel a bit lost. You don't really know what to do. And these feelings can be extremely overwhelming, you know, and, your brain is just confused because you've been in such a deprived state for so long. You don't know how to handle food, right? When you are granted with the opportunity to eat food and food is in abundance, you don't necessarily know how to control yourself. And that can be incredibly tough, right? And I went through, you know, a solid three years of majorly restricting myself, you know, trying to lose a lot of weight and then maintain a underweight body, right? And it just didn't work. And 
because I had such a poor relationship with food and I was excessively exercising, I did suffer terribly with binge eating episodes, you know, just times where I would eat so much food. I would eat just a copious amount of food until I felt sick, you know, and like mentally my hunger hormones and were just so messed up, you know, I would be laying on my back, you know, <laughs> like just so stuffed with food, right? I would have food in my freaking esophagus. I was probably burping up food, but like, I still felt like I wanted to eat more cake. I still felt like I wanted to eat more ice cream, right? Like I've freaking been there and I was there for three years, but I broke free from that. You know, I finally broke free from that in 2015 and I've been constantly working on myself ever since then to now be in the position that I am now. And it doesn't just happen overnight, guys. Like it takes time. Like I said, eight freaking years. So I'm so happy that I actually got to go on this podcast and speak about my experiences with binge eating and, you know, how I overcame that and, you know, my mentality toward that and just making people more aware that it, it, it does happen, you know, but it's, you can overcome it, you know, and there, there are strategies and yeah, I'm really, really glad I got an opportunity to speak openly about that. So that podcast should be out on the 26th of May, I believe, which is a Tuesday. So that is on the brain to bar podcast. And I'm just really excited to, um, I'm really excited for people to hear about that. Cause I think that's a huge part of, you know, my story and my journey that a lot of people just aren't aware of, but I hope that going on this podcast and talking about these topics very honestly, very openly, you know, I really hope that it helps people because there's so many people out there that have struggled with this, but I just want to let you know that, you know, you aren't going to be stuck in that dark pit forever. You know, things do get better. They can get better. Like it takes time, but man, like you are more than capable of getting a grip on your mind, you know, and on your relationship with food, on your relationship with your body, you know, and it, it really, really does get better. So yeah, I'm really excited for uh, people to be able to listen to that podcast. I'm excited to listen back to and gosh, it's just, it's just so tough, you know, because I think it was only like a 45 minute podcast. And I feel like when I start talking about these topics, there's so much that I want to say. And you guys probably wouldn't know this, obviously. Maybe you think you listen to this podcast and you're like, man, Tiara, she talks so much. <laughs> hey, guys, if I didn't talk, there wouldn't be much audio on here. <laughs> it's a podcast, you know? But the thing is, is that I, I, whenever I listen back to a podcast or I have a conversation, like I can't help but think like, man, I wish I would have said that or like, darn it, I should have elaborated on that or gosh, even with all of our podcasts, I feel like I'm like, damn it. I, I missed out on this key information. I wish I would have said it, but, uh, I guess you guys wouldn't know that. But anyway, that's the thing. I feel like I wasn't able to cover absolutely everything in this podcast with Sophia. I feel like, gosh, I could talk for hours, you know, about my experiences and just have conversations about this and hopefully I get an opportunity again in the future. Cause I think, I think it is such an important topic and I certainly do have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure many people will find that episode really valuable and 
like when when we first met you were we met in 2016 so you were still like you were a little bit disordered in the eating (laughs) (laughs) disorder in the eating just a little man yeah i was certainly you definitely didn't see me at my worst yeah and you didn't see me at my worst no that's the thing as well so for example you've been through things like this as well jack too haven't you yeah and we say this as like it's unusual but it's it's very very common for people to go through disordered eating and i think even we it wasn't even as bad for us because we at least had we soon enough could fall back on our education and say okay mm-hmm. why are we feeling like this and what is the right thing to do but yeah like for me i was it was mainly 2015 as well for me was actually my worst year and that was it just came from a place of restriction because i thought that was the right thing to do, um, to look a certain way. And it just leads to that binge restrict cycle. And then it's the, the toughest part is breaking that cycle. But then once you do break it, it's, it is so much better. And that's also why like I stuck to my reverse diet a hundred percent, probably too much because I knew that if that cycle took hold, then it, the, the hard thing is breaking it. So mm-hmm. And it's just horrible once it does start. So Yeah, I know. It is it is one of the hardest things to mentally break free from. But it it is so interesting, you know, that we both went through that. And it really does stem from a place of, you know, you want to look a certain way, right? And you want to train a certain way. And you do you do fall into that trap of, you know, just like all or nothing mentality, good and bad foods kind of thing. Like, and then you do go like across an entire week of just not eating enough, right? Training really, really hard. But then you just, you give in at the Mm. end, you know, it just builds up the cravings and in your heart, you know, you're like, man, I've trained really hard. Like, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty fit. I can probably afford to, you know, go out and have a massive meal, right? Like, like what are really going to be the consequences other than I'm going to feel sick and terrible. I think most (laughs) of the time it's spur of the moment in Mm -hmm. terms of you don't decide, you don't plan it. You kind of just snap. But that's the thing, right? Like, do you remember those feelings of getting so excited about food? Like you're like going to go to a buffet or you're going to go to some, you know, eating challenge or something like you get so freaking excited. Like it's your birthday or something, right? Or like you're like, you're at a party or, you know, you're at a concert or like those overwhelming feel they're endorphins, right? The kick in. you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to get to eat to my heart's content. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. I found that was, and like for me, it was only a couple of months, but it was, I think that period of elation happened when you convinced yourself that it was okay. Mm-hmm. And then once the regret sets in, that's when it's not quite so nice. Yeah, it's that awful cycle. Like it, it builds up, you know, and then, you know, you finally cave in and you eat a lot and you get that initial endorphin rush, right? But then you feel really, really guilty. You feel pretty sick. You're like, what have I done? You know, I've, I've, I've undone my, all my hard work. And then throughout the rest of the week, you might be super restrictive with your diet, train super duper hard, not necessarily punishing yourself. Right. But then at the end of the week, you're kind of like, man, I'm looking pretty good, looking pretty lean. Maybe I can afford to go, you know, go eat a massive pizza again. And you just fall into that freaking loop. But Mm. how did, did you finally break out of it when you realized like, one, it wasn't sustainable to maintain your low body weight, right? And you would actually look better if you actually started to gain weight, you know, pr- actually be able to progress with your training. Did you feel like during that time you were almost stuck in a place with your training performance? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. I was like looking at everyone around me in the gym thinking, wow, I put in so much more work than these people, but they're getting stronger than me and they make, they're looking better. And yeah, definitely the thing that broke me out of it was, and I was in a fortunate position because I decided I was quite lean and I said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to start tracking macros. I'm going to start um, pushing my body weight up um, sensibly. And that allowed me to stick to it 100%. I didn't, I didn't have any slip ups after that. And fortunately for me, within like a couple of months, I got to the point where I was feeling like where I am now, where I'm, I was feeling very full all the time, mm-hmm. etc. So yeah, I was lucky enough to be in that position. Yeah, guys, believe it or not, when I actually met Jack in 2016, he was 78 kilograms. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm going to probably compete at. Yeah, but boy, you are going to look way different. Yeah, but oh, I'm so glad that we, you know, broke free from that. But I think it's important that, you know, we we just make that point, guys, that we've handled our post-competition periods very well in the past. But that's because we have still experienced that post-comp experience before we actually started bodybuilding. So we know what people go through. We know the mental and the physical struggles, right? And we certainly can relate to our clients in that sense. So we've certainly gone through it ourselves, but we've also broken free from it ourselves and overcome it. So really, really proud of us in that sense. So yeah, man, we are going on over 30 minutes now. We've been chit-chatting. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's uh, this is probably a good place to wrap up this episode, Jack. But, you know, final thing we always finish on, one thing we want to improve on this week. So, Jack, what do you want to improve on this week? So I want to improve on my CNS. and <laughs> Improve the CNS. How the heck are you going to improve your CNS? <laughs> by lowering the volumes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Easy as that, mate. <laughs> yep. So yeah, reduce my volume, see how that goes. That'll be a win for me if I at least try it and mm-hmm. and reflect on it. What about you though? Hmm. So this week, I, I guess this is kind of something that I want to improve. I want to improve my knowledge when it comes to dogs and dogs going into heat because our girl, Sam, she is just over six months now and Border collies generally go into heat anywhere between six to nine months. We're not no six to seven is their first. Oh, episode six to of seven, boy. Well, she's like six and a half months old now. So yeah, yeah. So pretty much, we think our dog's going into heat. You know, we <laughs> we think she's getting hot and she wants a mate. Uh, but Jack and I, we are we've got a veterinary appointment booked tomorrow. But I just want to learn a lot more about dogs going into heat. You know, the exact signs to look for, exactly what I need to do to make sure that. Sam doesn't get preggers because <laughs> that would be a mess, man. Like, I only want one dog. I don't want a bunch of. Um, Wait, you don't want two dogs? I want two dogs. <laughs> I want one dog right now. I don't want a pregnant dog. Okay, like we we got. I love Sam the way she is, and I don't want <laughs> Sam to go through that. I would hate to have my dog get an abortion. You know, like let's just avoid it. You know, so pretty much improve my knowledge when it comes to dogs not getting preggers how to avoid the preggers yes. <laughs> i would never say the word pre- i don't even say the word preggers like i only say, mm. <laughs> it even sounds weird how would an australian say preggers would they say preggers preggers no. <laughs> <laughs> wear a I'll condom, you wear a condom. you'll get preggers <laughs> preggers uh yeah australian slang that's a whole nother topic <laughs> anyway sam ain't getting pregnant you know what i mean All right, guys, that's the end of this episode. Episode six, Jack, let's wrap it up. 
Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to repost it on your Instagram story. Tag myself, tag Tierra, tag TBD. Tell your family and friends, and we'll catch you guys next week.